This is a rebroadcast of my radio show, Astrology Today, which aired on CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. You are listening to Astrology Today, coming to you live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast and Powell River, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. I will be your host, Maureen Reed, and I'm an astrologer, and I'm also alone today, darn. (laughs) Jill, my co-host, unfortunately, is a wee bit under the weather. Please, Jill, get well. Uh, We send good thoughts and good vibes your way. So this is episode number 66, and uh, it's going to be all about Aquarians. And, um, you know, my theme music is pretty old. Not to me, but (laughs) to most young folks, it would might not even be a known. Um, And it was called um, Aquarius, let the sun shine in, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, for um, when I first got into astrology, of course, there was this talk about the age of Aquarius and that we were leaving Pisces and, you know, Anyway, so that is still a huge debate in the astrological circles in terms of, you know, have we finally started the age of Aquarius? Did it start this past year in 2020 because of the kinds of conjunctions that we saw? Um, And one could almost get that feeling just because we did kind of bring the world to a halt, at least the human world. And, um, you know, the reset button I don't think is actually going to happen. I think we need to move forward in a brand new way. And, uh, you know, is it any surprise that the folks who uh, probably are um, the best equipped to actually... um, put out the structures for a new social um, way of being in the world just happens to be Aquarius. So um, I was, of course, going to be fielding this or or, um, comparing my view of Aquarius uh, with the traditional ruler of Saturn. And Jill would have been putting in her view of Aquarius with the more modern day ruler, which is Uranus. Um, And so we'll have to leave that Jill's piece until possibly next week. Um, Yeah. But so today's point of view on Aquarius and uh, what's up for them in the year to come and what gifts they have to give us right now um, will come from my Hellenistic perspective this time around. Okay. So the past year has been rough on Saturn's other ruling sign, which was Capricorn. And I talked about that in episode 62. This might have translated as an ominous ominous feeling um, for folks with Aquarius rising um, because uh, all that Capricorn stuff is in your uh, 12th house. And uh, 12th house stuff it's, it almost feels like it's just below the level of consciousness. Um, unless you've got lots of planetary signatures there, then it becomes a way more active 
environment. Um, on the negative side, it can mean incarceration. On the positive side, it's spiritual retreat. Um, but it is a house dedicated to not being out in the world. Um, and um, yeah, and so all that moving and shaking in Capricorn, that big pileup last year was in, um, if you had Aquarius rising, in your 12th house. But okay, things have changed. Um, so if you are a sun or a moon in Aquarius, you may have been frustrated um, that Capricorn would have been the preceding house to whatever house your Aquarian signature is in, but mostly um, because you're using Saturn in a different way. And what would have more than likely been the most frustrating would have been uh, the lack of forward thinking, um, the opportunity in um, doing a complete shutdown of uh, our society and, uh, you know, just the fact that we all didn't kill over dead, <laughs> um, which I think was a bit of a surprise to everybody, um, but that this means we can stop and change direction. Yes. Okay. So that seismic shift is moving into your courtyard. Okay. So you need to be gearing up because that shift has arrived. When Jupiter and Saturn left Capricorn in December, kissed together to start a new 200-year cycle, they moved into Aquarius. Okay, so please note the early degrees of Aquarius, folks. Okay, so if you were born right at the start of the sign of Aquarius, which would have happened a couple of days ago, uh, then you've already had your preview. But it, um, it might have kind of gotten lost in the shuffle of the big Capricorn stuff last year. Uh, but um, so from March 21st of 2020 to July the 1st of 2020, um, uh, Saturn did dip into Aquarius and it did dip in with Mars. And uh, we saw a tremendous amount of social unrest, which is part of the signature of Aquarius. And, um, you know, the call for major reform um, and, from my point of view, a complete reset of the contract that society has made with the branch of society that's called law enforcement. Um, I don't think we've really had a reset since it was established, which was established in the last 200 years. And so, you know, it's kind of high time that we updated or re, you know, just like made a new contract because we have an opportunity at this point, at this juncture, to start forward in a new way. Okay, I'll try not to do too many of my own rants here. <laughs> Okay, so um, like I say, the early degrees of Aquarius, folks, you had your first kick at what's going to be up for all of us for the next two years until March of 2023. Though your direct hits have passed um, because now Saturn has gone past the degrees, like it only got up to, I think, almost two degrees in Aquarius last summer, um, it's now definitely past that. But it is, and it will be, in Aquarius until uh, March of 2023. 
Okay, so what does 2021 hold for Aquarians? Well, you guys are carrying the torch now. Um, the big movements and shakeups that are going to happen in the world are being triggered by this uh, amazing little square between Uranus and Taurus. And Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars periodically jumps in the fray uh, in Aquarius. And these are fixed signs. So folks, not just Aquarians, but Aqu Aquarians are sort of the, at the vanguard. Um, but this will also impact Leo, obviously, and Scorpio. Okay. Um, and so... When you get a combination like this, some of the keywords you can think of are sudden shifts, earthquakes, revolt, revolution. All of these things are afoot. Okay, and the world does need a new normal. <clears throat> okay, Aquarians are in that fan card, as I said, and um, they have the capacity just in their um, essence, I guess, uh, to bring forward new ideas. Now, <clears throat> when I first started uh, studying Hellenistic astrology, of course, I had come from a modern background about 20 years ago. And like most modern astrologers back then, I had also adopted that Uranus would supplant Saturn for rulership of Aquarius. And it did sort of make sense because these people down through the centuries, they did seem to step away from the status quo um, and go off in new directions. Um, and they were also very eclectic. And so, you know, I was kind of faced with a bit of conundrum when I started studying Hellenistic astrology. How do I, how do I put Saturn back in there? Because, of course, we think of Saturn um, in the way it's been for the last two years, two and a half years in Capricorn. Um, it's all about pointing out the limitations of the structures that we've created over the last two years. But in its essence, um, Saturn and Capricorn are the structures necessary to create an environment for the moon, which is opposite in Cancer, to bring forth life, to sustain it, to nourish it, to give it the ground of being that, you know, allows life to, to flourish. And so, you know, I kind of went, okay, so Saturn is also opposite one of the lights, but it's opposite the sun. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's also a fixed sign. And so cardinal signs, which would be the Capricorn Cancer, they're about initiating. And so, you know, I could that just still makes sense and probably always will. So now I'm looking at a fixed sign and Saturn opposite the sun. So what's the sun? Well, the sun is kind of the most obvious ego expression, uh, full of fire and vim and vigor. And it also has this sort of magnetic quality in which um, people are warmed by um a Leo individual that's, you know, has that, that sort of sunny disposition. And, um, okay, so what can that do if it runs unchecked? Well, of course, it can dominate. And then I got to sort of think, okay, well, then that does make sense that Saturn, <clears throat> excuse me, is opposite that sun, because we do need to draw a line in the sand to Leo. Uh, because otherwise, 
it's the only game in town. It's the only story. It's the only drama. And so Saturn sitting in Aquarius opposite Leo affords the ability for, um, for instance, if we go even just to, um, you know, a yin and a yang so that the, uh, and I always get this wrong, let's hope I'm right this time. I think yang is the male sort of aggressive energy. It needs a line drawn so that other ideas, dramas, ways of being in the world have an opportunity to manifest. And this is almost like what happens between um, the father figure and the son figure in, in um, you know, our typical cosmology, where at some point, the son has to step out from underneath the shadow of the dad. And the dad typically does not like that. Um, matter of fact, you know, there's lots of counseling scenarios where people have to sort of come out from under the shadow of somebody, somebody whose ego has completely dominated. And again, this isn't necessarily gender specific. It can happen um, in any gender. But there is that need for a line to be drawn, for there to be a separation. Um, otherwise, in a fixed sign, we would just continue to do the same thing ad nauseum, ad infinitum. Okay, so like I said, at this point, I would have handed it over to Jill, get better, sweetheart, um, and let her sort of put in her piece about Uranus, because it did fit for me back 20 years ago. Um, but I have adopted this new system. It's true. <laughs> okay. So uh, moving forward, uh, the current tag team, Saturn and Uranus. And um, when I started to think about it, I went, okay, I need to see when the cycle of Saturn and Uranus began. Um, because in the dance between the two of them, they will do the same dance that the sun and moon do every month. And we start with a new cycle, which is would be the equation of a new moon. Uh, we get the first quarter square, the opposition, the last quarter square, and then of course we come all the way around and start a new cycle. So I was curious, when did the current cycle start and which square are we looking at? Okay, so the conjunction that started this current cycle began in 1988. And so I quickly looked at some of the historical significant things that were happening then when Saturn and Uranus were conjunct. And they were conjunct in, Sa in Sagittarius. Okay, so we had a huge, couple of huge military things happening that weren't pretty. One of them was um, in the Iran-Iraq War. Um, 50,000, they figure, Kurdish folks were killed. Not pretty. There was a huge earthquake in Armenia, which killed, they figured, about 25,000, 250,000, and le left about 500,000 people homeless. Oh, pardon me, that was 25,000. Anyway, way too many. And we also had a very infamous... Um, I don't think it was the first hijacking, but I think it might have been one of the first planes to be brought down by terrorists. And this was the Lockerbie um, airplane crash, uh, also happened that year. And USSR finally gave up on Afghanistan. So that was the start. It, it's almost like 
especially that last one, uh, the USSR in Afghanistan. It's like that Leo piece finally went, okay, fine. You've drawn your line in the sand. You're right. You have your, your right to your autonomy. Okay, so what happened at the first quarter square? Well, what's interesting is it is a reverse of what we're getting now. Okay, so Saturn was in Taurus and Uranus was in Aquarius. Okay, so, and um, this for Aquarian folks themselves that are older, this may carry a bit of echoes of what you might expect this year. Okay, so we had the impeachment of Bill Clinton hmm, as we go to try to impeach another ex-president now. Uh, we had the Dow Jones hit a new high. This was the first time it crossed 10,000 points. Sadly, we also had the Columbine School Massacre, and unfortunately, we've had way too many of those since. Okay, then the opposition, and the opposition was also in a mutable sign. Remember, this cycle started in Sag, and so this opposition was Saturn in Virgo, Uranus in Pisces. Okay, so some of the things that happened, that's most people can definitely remember 2008. We had the crash of the banking world. We had Barack Obama uh, was voted in that November. He didn't become president, of course, until the following year. We had the Large Hadron Collider startup. We had an earthquake in China where 87,000 people were probably killed and possibly 4 to 11 people, million people were affected by that. We also had a huge cyclone that went through Miramar, um, and Fidel Castro retired. Now, um, there was a one-hit wonder uh, two years later between Uranus and Saturn, um, and I couldn't really find anything important. But it was interesting that there was this moment where those two planets again opposed each other, and it was right... Um, as they were both changing signs. Okay, so uh, Saturn went into Libra and Uranus went into Aries. Okay, but now we're at the waning square. So typically, um, I'll just give a, a brief outline of how I see that cycles unfolding. So new beginning, obviously, like a new moon. First quarter square is, are we actually headed in the direction that we had thought we wanted to go in at the start? Okay, so it's a an adjustment, making sure that, yep, we're on track. Uh, the opposition is like the blossoming of what we started, okay? And then the final square is, was it actually relevant to the rest of society? <laughs> so that's the one we're in. And so if we go back to 1988, um, let's just go back there for a second. So um, have we, you know, supported the Kurdish? No, they're still struggling. Um, we could get another earthquake. It's possible. That seems to go fit the profile with Saturn and Uranus. Um, and terrorists. Where are we at with terrorists? Um We've had, you know, since 88, what is that, uh, 20, we've had almost 40 years, well, not quite 30 and change, uh, to, you know, 
be involved in this whole terrorist phenomena. And, um, you know, you can tell just from what happened last year that how we define terrorism has definitely morphed um, because now you can, you know, there was a time when a terrorist could only be somebody from abroad, from, you know, your home country, to now we have terrorists that are um, within your own society. Uh, and and we also have, um, you know, misinformation on who knows every side. And it's, yeah, so it's shifted. So are dealing with disenfranchised groups of people, I would say that's what breeds terrorism, um, has not really improved yet. We haven't really tackled it. We haven't brought other in to understand. Instead, we're still doing that same old, same old, um, it's us and them, which, anyway, my take on it. Something to be considered because we are looking at in this last quarter square, have we moved forward since 1988? Okay, so um, with this entrance into um, um, Aquarius from Saturn, um, it will be squaring although not directly after 2021, but for 2022 and all the way into the first couple of months of 2023, the echoes of that squaring effect will be available just because Saturn will still be in Aquarius and Uranus will still be in Taurus. Okay, so it's not over until then (laughs) in terms of some of the disruptions that might be coming down the pipe. But this year, we do have at least a bit of grace for Aquarians. And as they come up to those who are going to be directly in the line of fire uh, with the actual exact conjunctions, they first get Jupiter kind of hopefully paving the way, making it feel like, yes, I can do that. I can be a harbinger of where we actually need to be going so that we can leave the old drama behind, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that is a grace that we've been given and that Aquarians have been given for this year. Um, do take advantage of it, folks. Okay. Um, yeah, so optimism, forward thinking, it will actually be appreciated. Okay. So depending on the house that your Aquarian circuit falls in, Jupiter can offer his largesse to ease you through this Saturn reality test. So for instance, if it's, if it's your rising, Jupiter will um, make it possible to do a makeover um, in uh, you know an eccentric and wild way that might suit you. Second house, it's going to um, uh, possibly improve your resources, uh, second house. Third house, it's going to introduce you to new peeps, a new word for me. This is, third house is about close personal com- community, you know, your hometown, that type of thing, your neighborhood. Uh, It's also about siblings, so you may, you know, get some really bonus time with your siblings. Uh, Fourth house, if you're moving, Jupiter is always helpful. 
Uh, with Saturn going through there, though, remember that, um, you know, you want to be really clear about the reality of where you're living and, you know, just is that still working? Because Jupiter would give you the option to possibly make a move. Fifth house uh, could be all about children, spending time, bonus, maybe having to draw some lines in the sand with kids because Saturn, of course, is following up behind that. Sixth house um, could be advancement at work. It can also be, um, you know, having to really take a close look at health and Jupiter making it easy to shift and change that up. Seventh house. If you're single, could bring somebody in. Uh, you just don't want it to necessarily be a father figure, either gender, you know, that type of thing. Eighth house, um, it could smooth the passage or invite you into a relationship where you share resources. Uh, ninth house, education, travel, yeah, maybe not so much. But remember, Jupiter is, for all of us, going to dip into Pisces um, in, when was that? I just want to keep reminding people because it's going to be possible to maybe do a little bit of travel from May 13th till July the 28th. Um, it might open up. It depends. These new variants are making it a little scary again. Okay, so uh, 10th house, obviously Jupiter coming there could be a bonus in terms of your position out in the world, your ability to get your message out there. Uh, in terms of a new way of being, the society being in the world. Uh, 11th house, great connections, uh, bonus points for the Aquarians who have all their Aquarian stuff in the 11th house. This will probably be a great year where you might be that shocking revolution. Uh, 12th house, yeah, you want to keep your head low and do a lot of meditating, teasing. Okay, so... Um, Let's see now, where have I got to next? Okay, so Saturn is asking you to step forward to separate from the status quo Leo storyline. And uh, Uranus, of course, I've been saying he hanging out in um, Taurus is all about Gaia, you know, trying to point out to us that we live on a finite planet and how are we taking care of our ability to sustain ourselves, not to do growth, but to sustain, to be able to live within our limits, Saturn, um, on this planet. Yeah. Um, and I suspect every time Saturn Uranus do those exact squares that um, Gaia will make a pronouncement that's rather emphatic. At least that's my hope. <laughs> Okay, so this planetary emphasis um, in 2021 with Uranus, Saturn, and Jupiter has, of course, Aquarians at the front of the line. And especially those, okay, so these are the folks that want to pay attention, uh, those born between approximately Janu January 25th and February the 1st. Those degrees of Aquarius are the ones that are going to be primarily triggered this year. Okay, um, this is also, of course, uh, air sign, and, and it does mark this shift from Earth, which we've had for the last 200 years, to air signs for the next 200 years in which 
And with Aquarius, uh, lots of people get confused and they think, well, isn't it a water sign? I mean, isn't the person holding that vase pouring out water? No, they're pouring out ideas, um, essence, um, energetic essence. So it's the airwaves. It's what's not tangible, what you can't see. It's the music of the spheres, for instance. And it will, of course, tie together the other air signs. So Aquarius is in sync with Gemini and with Libra. And so that triad is what's going to predominate in our um, social sphere um, as those two come together and conjoin every 20 odd years. Okay, so we're wanting forward thinking, social inclusion, and your gift of humanitarian perspective. Okay, one might expect that this all may be a positive year, except Saturn and Uranus do disruption. Okay, um, and your personality will be fielding that disruption. Okay, so let's look at uh, the time frames. Okay, so the um, time frames when Aquarians need to have their head up knowing that the biggest disruptions are coming through third week of February. So that one's coming up very soon. Second week of June. And lastly, the third week of December. And again, those born between January 21st and February 1st, that's when those direct hits will be happening. So what I thought I would do is do a bit of a case study um, for two individuals who happen to be Aquarians um, and give my take on what they might expect to be on the radar in terms of the disruption. And, um, yeah, so I went searching databases for Aquarian people. And to make it very Aquarian, I selected people that had both sun and the moon in Aquarius. Um, and uh, these are the two ladies that I came up with. The first one is, and I think I am going to attempt to share a screen. Can I do it? Yes, I can. There we go. Um, for those who will be watching this on, um, let's see. Okay. Yeah, for those who are watching this on YouTube. Okay, so the first one I picked was Princess of Monaco, Stephanie. She was not the only child of uh, Grace Kelly and Prince Rainier, but she was definitely one of them. She was born February 1st, 1965 uh, in Monte Carlo, Monaco. And uh, she was a new mooner. So her sun moon in Aquarius is in the seventh house. That gave, gives her this Leo rising. It puts Uranus up there in the 10th house. So when this square pings off her chart, it's likely to be very visible out there in the world. Um, she doesn't um, you know, I'm not in the fashion world. She apparently has had a clothing line. Um, and 
has gone through several, many relationships, actually. Uh, her bio, I have her bio. I should give you a little bit of a background on it. Anyway, so I'm going to do that. And then the second one is, okay, Ad Adeline Morin, who I had never heard of her, but then I'm old. <laughs> to say it but it's true <laughs> and she's part of the generation that are on YouTube an influencer I would imagine um, making reality TV of her life and yeah she too has a sun moon conjunction but she managed to sandwich Uranus in between so she has sun at eight Uranus at eight and the moon at I was just kind of blown away when I saw this lady's chart. But let's go back to uh, Stephanie. And I was going to just briefly give you a bit of her bio. So obviously, uh, the daughter of Princess Grace and Prince Rainier of Monaco. Apparently, uh, in this particular bio, it says an independent, willful person of a definitely colorful lifestyle. Okay, she was modeling and producing a fashion line by 1986. So if we go back to her, all right, how do I get, oh, I know, that's what I have to do. Yeah, there we go. Uh, if we go back to her chart, there we go, make it bigger. Okay, you can see she has a grand trine in earth. And um, with that, Okay, to end, so the Earth, she's got her Capricorn stuff is in the second house, uh, Sun, Mercury in, or pardon me, there in Virgo, uh, Capricorn is Mercury, Venus, and Jupiter is the 10th house in Taurus. Uh, ideal combination for retail of, well, it could have been anything, but obviously with it being Taurus up there, um, it's Venus, it's fashion, and um, yeah, it, in a grand trine, she put it to work. And part of the reason why she was able to do that is because that grand trine forms two kites, which gives it an outlet. Okay. So um, she's always been comfortable in the limelight, Leo rising, that works totally. And so one starts to wonder, well, but all her Aquarian stuff is in the seventh house. And that does speak to the variety of lovers and husbands and lifestyles that she has uh, gone in with. And, um, and so I think at present she is now part of a, uh, or is married to a Portuguese acrobat person, uh, possibly living in Switzerland. Um, yeah, so he belongs to the National Circus in Geneva. And yeah, so reading her bio is quite entertaining, actually, uh, for, for an Aquarian. Okay, so what can this possibly mean? I mean, she's had a very dramatic life already. Um, how does one make this even, you know, like what kind of wild upset might be coming down the pipe for her? Okay, so um, what have I got here? Okay, so 
she's not done yet, basically. Okay, she's 55. She is in a, um, let's see now, in a eighth house perfection on her birthday it will switch to ninth which means she's likely to come back out into the spotlight and uranus has not caught up to that jupiter but it will catch up to her midheaven degree of 12 okay and that is exactly square the 12 13 of her sun moon and which happens to be the exact degree of the second Uranus Saturn square. So I would fully anticipate that at the second one, which is, do, 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 I did write this down. I know I did. Oh, maybe I didn't. Okay, but I have it here. Okay, so her big moment is likely going to be in June with that second uh, Saturn Uranus exact square. Okay, so um, what's interesting about her kites that, you know, take this energy off, um, all, all that Earth stuff, one is Neptune, which is down in Scorpio in uh, the fourth house, which is like the fairy tale world she grew up in, and um, and Chiron, which is in the eighth house, and that's where her own Saturn is. Now, Saturn in Pisces, natally, is a difficult placement. Um, boundaries are incredibly difficult to understand, to work with. It's not uncommon for um, Saturn Pisces people to uh, get tripped up by drugs and alcohol um, or by partners that have those kinds of issues. It doesn't sound like that has been the case here, but what it does sound like is um, that the boundary between self and other has been part of a major exploration of her life. And um, in, in the sense of, you know, I've grew up in a dream. Can I try your dream out? You know, in what in the bio that I have of her, it said, you know, literally she ran off and joined the circus. Um, and so to decipher exactly what is real and what is in sync with who we really are. And of course, with the sun-moon conjunction, these people tend to be self-sufficient. Or because it's the seventh house, they're attracted to people who are self-sufficient, um, you know, and so you conjure up the image of a acrobat. Well, they're depending on their own skill to keep themselves alive, but they typically do work with others. So that dynamic is kind of expressed there. Okay, so wealth and privilege will not mitigate a chart that requires deep resolution. And this does have its place for resolution in the sense that um, both that Chiron and uh, the Neptune in Scorpio, they're both speaking to um, an intensity and an understanding that needs to be worked through. And so we could have... Um, you know, this clash of the old world, you know, you're a princess, you were supposed to um, live a life according to the game plan. Um, and but that wasn't your spirit, you were Aquarian, you were meant to um, step out of that original Leo drama. And but yet, she was a Leo rising. So drama and Leo, that fit. 
So I suspect this dichotomy within this woman has been um, a challenge that she has explored. And this year, it's likely to erupt, and she may just shift directions again. Um, New partnerships are entirely possible. Uh, She may head off in a completely new direction in terms of her position out there in community. Uranus is up there. It is going to hit her 10th house. Um, Yeah, I suspect in June, um, for those who follow people like her, she's likely to appear in the news at that time. Okay. Now, the next chart, of course, is... I kind of like to think local, although, yeah, she's not really local. (laughs) She is from Toronto. Um, If I understood what I was looking at, I actually kind of watched one of her videos on her YouTube channel, and I was like, wow, is this ever compelling, you know, because she's literally you're a voyeur in a day in her life. Now, whether she does that every day, I didn't stick around in the video to find that out. But, okay, so a little bit about her bio. And part of what's so amazing with her bio is, and I also put this chart up too as well, um, is the chart of when she started her YouTube channel. And um, if she didn't have an astrologer picket, those who do electional astrology should definitely have a look at the day that she started her YouTube channel because apparently she's been very successful. Okay, so here's a little bit of her bio. Uh, She's best known for her fashion and beauty videos, her self-titled YouTube channel. Her profile has more than 22.4 million subscribers, has amassed followers on Instagram. She's gained even more popularity after she participated in Seventeen Magazine's Beauty Smarty, whatever that was. Okay, so uh, what else does it say here? Her net worth, (laughs) okay, is close to a million, apparently. And um, it says that she can earn between, um, yeah, from $19,000 to $30,000 a month on her YouTube channel. And she also has a clothing line. Uh, She earns money from her endorsements. Um, Yeah, an influencer. It's... And so this is the new future we're moving into. Um, I'm not going to get on too much of a rant about, you know, the consumption factor here because we do live on a finite planet. And so this thing might not work for very long. But anyway, so how is it that she found herself from Toronto um, with, you know, a million followers? Like, how did that happen? Well, you look at her chart, and uh, so she was born January the 28th, uh, 1998, so she's 22, 23, I think. Let me just pull up my notes on her chart. Yeah, I think she'll be 23 here shortly. And so with her chart, one of the things, the first thing that you notice is that between the traditional um, main planets, they form a very tight grouping. And we're actually going to get a similar kind of tight grouping coming up here this February. And I can tell by the clock on the wall in the studio, I'm not going to get to February's forecast. But that's okay. We can do it next week. 
And so this is is a very concentrated chart. Um, She really only has traditionally one major square, which is a good thing because it does um, create some um, stress for growth, but she has no oppositions. So actually seeing perspective on herself and the world, that can be a tricky piece for anyone with this kind of um, concentrated chart. Okay, so, but her Aquarian, if she's not a card-carrying Aquarian, I don't know what is, because she's got Sun at 8 degrees Aquarius, Uranus at 8 degrees of Aquarius, and the Moon at 10 degrees Aquarius. And the ruler of her Ascendant, which is Sag, she's a Sag rising, is Jupiter, and it's in Aquarius. Now, this is all bunched up in the third house. What's the third house? Why, it's your neighborhood. It's your peeps. And guess what? She's got a lot of them. Her neighborhood is literally worldwide. Um, Yeah, uh, to this point, she's young, so she hasn't even crossed her first Saturn return, which won't happen until Saturn gets to Aries. Um, Yeah, she's kind of struck gold. And why is that? Why is it beauty? Why is it about her? Well, she's got Venus, conjunct Mercury, conjunct Neptune, all in Capricorn, all in the second house. Now, she's obviously um, got some business acumen because she had Pluto go through there. It would have finished with her this past year. And she's still going strong. Um, she isn't, it isn't just her on the video I watch. She has other, whether they're friends or boyfriends, I'm not sure, but, (laughs) um, you know, she's working it and it's working. So what possibly could this Saturn Uranus square mean in her life? Okay. So Taurus is her sixth house and, um, that typically is um, where you are lower down on the rung in sort of the employee ladder, okay? And right now, that's definitely not where she's at. Um, she is definitely, you know, the architect of her life. Um, it's also about health and routine. And so, and we're going to find out just shortly exactly what kind of a shakeup Saturn Uranus are going to bring to this Aquarian. Because this, her degrees mean she's going to be feeling the brunt of the very first square personally. And that comes, I think it's February 17th. So just a few weeks away from now. And, uh, you know, again, uh, uh, you'll probably not see this hit any kind of big news other than it may hit in the world of influencers. You know, and I'm sure there's probably like entertainment today shows or something that would be following people like her in which you could probably check in and see what news pops up with her name. Okay, what else did, um, but you know, her job is just perfect. (laughs) I mean, yeah, this, this speaks to being an influencer, being a person out on the cutting edge, walking forward. Um, yeah, uh, it's kind of amazing actually. Okay. Um, what else did I want to say about this? Okay, so this also involves things like siblings, and that could be part of uh, what this is about. And um, 
Okay, because of the year that she's going in, so she has been in uh, an 11th house perfection, which puts Venus on notice. And Venus, of course, with uh, Pluto being there, has probably been um, a whole episode in terms of significant relationship. Uh, whether the fellow I saw on TV is that person, I don't know, but I imagine she went through uh, some changes around, you know, understanding how she needs to do relationship. But the year that she's moving into, okay, so her birthday was is coming up this week, uh, she will be moving into a 12th house perfection, and this one is tricky. Um, that Saturn in Aries rules, of course, her Aquarius, takes it to the fifth house, which kind of puts a pretty significant muffle on the possibility of children. Um, it's uh, ruled by Mars, and Mars is in Pisces. Again, sort of like Stephanie, uh, a Pisces circuit, depending on who's there. Mars does not function well at that level. And this ties together the 5th and the 12th house. Um, if she was to get pregnant, the possibility of miscarriages is definitely there. Uh, and so there is a dark component coming up. And um, I hope for her sake that uh, it has more to do with probably how she runs her day-to-day -day business. Um, one of the ideas actually that popped into my head was a stalker because with that kind of emphasis on the third house, people will see her as a queen. That's one of the old designations from Hellenistic. The king was the ninth house and the queen, the moon was the third house and uh, so obviously the moon is quite happy there and she's incredibly prominent so um, I vote that it's about the restructuring of her day-to-day -day attending to her business and possibly a health regime that's what I vote for but it could have darker implications because by the time that uh, square goes exact she will have moved into her 12th house perfection okay so we will come back to those charts later in the year um, if I have any chance of seeing what else is possible for them with the Saturn Uranus squares okay oh and the other thing that I thought of with her was she's living in LA my god they're due for the big earthquake Let's vote no on that one as well. <laughs> okay, so the other piece that I have up on the website, of course, is uh, the forecast for uh, folks. Let me just pull that up. Um, de -dum, de -dum, de -dum. There we go, right there. Okay, and so up on the website is uh, for Aquarians, their birthday, you know, from January 2021 to 2022. I, of course, just reiterate a little bit about uh, Pluto, Jupiter, Saturn. And, um, you know, just a reminder of the bonus points of Saturn, then I go through uh, where Mars is going to be. And, of course, whenever Mars hits one of those... Um, fixed signs, 
Okay, so that will also stir the pot up relative to the Saturn-Uranus square. So that's obviously right now we've, um, you know, <laughs> Mars did that amazing thing when it moved into Taurus on January the 6th. And we had the guy with the horns in the Congress, whatever. That was just too perfectly symbolic of Mars moving into Taurus. Yeah. Okay, so the next uh, the next time that it moves into a fixed sign, it will be into Leo, and it's in June, and that is, of course, when the second Saturn-Uranus square is happening. And then the final one, it moves into Scorpio in October, and but it will have left Yes, by the time the last and final Saturn-Uranus square, it will not be in Scorpio, which is a good thing, but it will still shake things up a little bit more while it's traveling through Scorpio, which is October 30th to December 13th. Yes, uh, Venus too, when she hits fixed signs, again, it will echo the Saturn-Uranus square, so she's in Aquarius starting February the 1st until February the 25th. So she will be in Aquarius for that first Saturn-Uranus square. Uh, she's in Taurus uh, for from April 14th to May 8th. And she's in Leo from uh, June 26th through until July 21st. And sort of the big notice... Um, will be, and it depends um, in the two charts that we were looking at, uh, both of them, if I can remember correctly, yeah, they both have their Venuses in Capricorn and are um, Adeline, hers was actually retrograde when she was born. And so Venus coming into Capricorn for both of them uh, it starts off November 5th, but it doesn't leave until March the 6th. And they will notice that retrograde time frame with Venus. It will, um, you know, cause a requirement to really take a realistic view at the relationships, partnerships, all of that uh, Venus stuff, what you value, what you don't value. And so for both our test subjects, uh, next fall, or pardon me, next winter, uh, well, um, Venus takes an extended journey through Capricorn because that goes all the way to March 8th. Um, that too will have an impact on what's coming out of 2021. Okay, I think given the amount of time that I have left that I have probably said Oh, no, actually, I got one more thing. And I do have a few more minutes. Yes. Okay, so the retrograde cycle for Aquarians, you're tied into this. It's all in air signs this year. And so the biggest disruption will be when Mercury turns retrograde next week on the 30th. And it is it stays in Aquarius for the full retrograde period of time. He turns direct on February the 20th. You will be noticing the irritations of the uh, redo, reschedule, reconsider, refine, rethink, etc., etc., uh, while Mercury is retrograde in Aquarius. It then goes uh, retrograde in Gemini, and because there's a nice trine between uh, all the air signs, you will notice it, but it won't be as irritating as the first one. 
And then again, so the second one is May 29th to June 22nd. And the final one in September uh, is September 26th to October 18th. And that, of course, is in Libra. And you will notice the irritation of a Mercury retrograde. Okay, I think I will finish off right there. Okay, so just as a reminder, you have been listening to CJMP 90.1 FM, Powell Rivers Community Radio Station. And uh, I look forward to checking in with more astrological goodies next week. And hopefully my co-presenter will be back and in the pink. In the meantime, stay safe and we will all get through this. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.